Let's get straight into it. The title of the message this morning is God is able. Don't you like those words? God is able. Won't you say that together with me? God is able. Now, this is a message that relates into the theme of faith. God has been speaking to us as a congregation about faith in this year. And we need to be continually sensitive as he continues to speak. And so this message today also undergirds our 2017 theme of building up your most holy faith. And just to recap the theme scripture for the year, Jude, verse 20 and 21. In the New King James Version, it says, But you, beloved, that's you and me, building yourselves up on your most holy faith. Please say the word faith. Praying in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. The same verse in the International Standard Version. Just the first part says, but you, dear friends, must continue to build your most holy faith. Won't you say to the person next to you, keep building your faith. I honestly believe that God wants you and I, our faith, to be growing over the years. That when you've been serving the Lord for a longer time, that your faith is more robust, more strong, more solid, more fully placed in God. You shouldn't be looking back to, yeah, 18 when I went on some camp and God did some stuff there. Oh man, I was, I was in faith there, but, but now I'm 38 and I don't have much of that anymore. No, this is meant to be a journey where our faith grows stronger. And so this year is a year of faith being built up and strengthened. Can I hear an amen? amen. Good. Let's look at a portion of scripture that refers to Abraham's faith. We're looking at Romans 4, verse 18 to 21. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. It says, even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping, believing that he would become the father of many nations. For God had said to him, that's how many descendants you will have. And Abraham's faith did not weaken. Isn't that an encouragement? Even though at about 100 years of age, he figured his body was as good as dead, and so was Abraham, Sarah's womb. Verse 20, Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. That's how Father God wants you and I to be, that we would never waver at believing what he has promised. In fact, his faith grew stronger. And in this, he brought glory to God. And he was fully convinced. I like that. He was fully convinced that here, these three words, God is able to do whatever he promises. Whatever he has promised. This is the God that you and I serve. He is able, more than able. He has the power. He has all the resource and ability to do what he has promised. 
What a God we serve. There are four things I'd like to share with you. Number one, God is able to perform what he has promised. And just to look at the verse again, it says in verse 21, he, that's Abraham, was fully convinced that God is able to do whatever he promises. The same verse in the New King James, just to look at the way it renders there, it says, and being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was also able to perform. I do love the fact that Abraham's faith was not wavering. And in fact, his faith was becoming stronger. And I believe that that is written in scripture to encourage you today. You might be sitting here and some of the things that you've gone through recently in your life have caused your faith to waver. Maybe right now you wouldn't admit it to anybody, but in your heart of hearts, you know that your faith has gotten a little bit shaky lately. And I want to say, let Abraham's example speak loud and clear from the word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Let this example speak to you. And even right now, in these few moments around the word, let your faith also be strengthened. Hebrews 11, 11, by faith, Sarah, even though she was old and barren, received the strength to conceive because she was convinced that the one who had made the promise was faithful. You know, when we think about promises and promises being kept and promises being broken and so on, I think of the fact that the fact that our God is a promise keeper, as we heard in the song just now, is so beautiful. The fact that he is faithful to fulfill the promises is so beautiful. That is who we are. Who we are. <laughs> as for Ali Buddha, that's who we are. You know what I mean? But he is faithful to fulfill all of those promises. Now, sometimes our earthly fathers make promises to us and they don't fulfill them. Maybe you have a story of your father promising you something and it didn't materialize and, and you were gutted as a result. And, and this has affected the way in which you are willing or not to believe God for his promises to be fulfilled because Sometimes what our earthly fathers do has a bit of an effect on how we perceive our heavenly father, although our heavenly father is altogether different. But let's just take an example. Maybe you're a young guy, well, at, at seven or eight years of age, you were a little guy, and one day your dad said to you, listen, my boy, you're now seven years old. When you turn 12 years old, I am going to take you on a camping trip. It's going to be in the mountains, we're going to buy a tent, and it's going to be exciting. So you get ready. When you are 12, Dad is taking you on this camping trip. And you began to live with that hope and that expectation. You were excited, and, and then it never happened for whatever reason. And you were gutted, you were devastated, and you thought, how can this person that I look up to let me down? Or maybe there's some ladies here. Let's say you were 14 years of age and your dad said to you, you know what, sweetie? I think you're so beautiful. You're so beautiful, almost as beautiful as your mom. And let me tell you this, when you turn 21, dad is gonna buy you a beautiful pearl ring. It'll be the most beautiful pearl ring that you've ever seen. 
And so here you are in your teenage years and you begin to think and dream and think, oh, wow, this is going to be amazing. And your 21st birthday comes and there is no ring and dad has forgotten. I tell you, when promises are broken, it's something really difficult. It's something that we have to process. But I want to tell you that God is able to fulfill every promise he has ever made. In the past, in the present, in the future, every promise that even still will be made, he is able to fulfill it. He will never forget the promises that he has made to you. And your God is faithful. God is able to perform what he has promised. He has the power. He can do it. He can fulfill that promise. And I want to challenge some people here today that you've said, no, 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 I don't think that God's going to fulfill that promise. I want to say to you, take that promise, blow the dust off it, begin to claim it afresh and say, my God is not a God that he should lie. He is able to perform what he has promised. I'm expecting it. The promises for the family that he's given, I'm expecting it. The promises for my career that he's given, I'm expecting it. God, you can do it. And he can fulfill the promises to every single one of his children. Let me tell you a little story. There's a lady in our church, and she's a a little older now. But she got married in her early 20s. She was about 22 years of age, and she got married. And both her and her husband didn't know the Lord. Soon after, she came to Jesus Christ, and she surrendered her life to the Lord Jesus. And her life just began to change. And obviously, she began to share with her husband, desiring that her husband also would come to the Lord Jesus. But the husband rejected Christ. He didn't want to have anything to do with the Lord Jesus. He said, you carry on and you practice your faith, but that's not for me. And so obviously, that was disappointing for her. But this lady, she began to earnestly pray for her husband. His name is Dave. She began to pray for him. And as she began to pray, God gave her promises saying that he will be saved. He gave a promise. And so she began to pray for him for a long time. Not just 10 years, not just 20 years, not just 30 years. In the end, she prayed for him for 40 years and then he was gloriously converted and saved. Isn't that amazing? But God had given a promise. And her son, this man's son, was able to lead his dad to the Lord. It was on his deathbed. But he became a new creation on his deathbed. Some people came and saw him in those last few days, and even though his body wasn't looking very good, They said of him that his countenance was radiant. You could see something had changed in his life. And all along, he would say, he would talk about God as JC or the big guy upstairs and so on. But then he said to his wife one day next to his bed, he said, I have received Jesus Christ into my life. Can we give the Lord a hand of praise? God is faithful to perform what he has promised. And he watches over his word to perform it. I remember my dad, just a few months prior to, be, prior to him passing on to heaven, going to be with the Lord, 
I remember he began to say with great excitement, he said, you know what? I began to look over the promises that God gave for my life. And as I look over these promises, I'm seeing that God has fulfilled every one of the promises. He was rejoicing. Now, just by the way, when you start to say that all of those promises over your life are fulfilled, you might just be in the departure lounge. Okay. (laughs) But nonetheless, my dad was rejoicing. And God gave him a scripture to confirm that from uh, Joshua 23, 14. And that scripture we put on the, uh, the stone, the gravestone of my dad. And this is what it reads. Listen carefully. It says, not one word has failed of all the good things that the Lord your God promised concerning you. All have come to pass for you. Not one of them has failed. And so I want to say to you, God is able to perform what he has promised. Amen. Number two, God is able to make all grace abound to you. Please say that with me. God is able to make all grace abound to you. Now, we, we've heard that phrase, and sometimes we don't always understand what it really means, and we think that it's grace and the whole salvation grace and God making it abound to us, and he does that as well, but we need to look at what it says here in this context. 2 Corinthians 9 verse 8 is on your screen. It says, and God is able. There it is. What are we talking about today? His ability. God is able to make all grace abound toward you. That you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. Now, what a beautiful scripture, firstly. We need to, however... If we interpret the word of God correctly, you have to look at the context in which scriptures are found. Quoting out of context can be dangerous. In terms of this, we need to take note that the preceding two verses are referring to finances and specifically to financial giving. It's talking about uh, if you sow sparingly, you will reap sparingly. It's talking about give as you purpose in your heart, not under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And so it's talking about this lifestyle of a Christian who honors the Lord with their finances. And then is when it speaks about God making all grace abound towards you. So the context of verse 8 is finances. That's theolog- theologically accurate. Now, What is verse 8 really trying to tell us? And I would submit the following to you. I would submit to you that this is trying to tell you that if you will honor God with your giving, He guarantees you that He will pour out more than enough provision in your life. It's a principle in God. And he says, I will make all grace abound towards you. In other words, I will provide for you. This is referring to earthly blessings and earthly provision. I'll show that to you in a moment's time. And so the wonderful thing is as you read that scripture, faith should arise in your heart and it should make you realize God is going to meet my needs. It should make you also realize that God is the God of more than enough and he will more than meet my needs. And it should also make us realize that God will actually cause us to have enough 
to be a blessing to other people around about that, around about us. Now, let me say, I have a problem with some of these missionary stories that so-called give a testimony of provision, but sometimes I wonder, does it really speak of Jehovah Jireh, God our provider? It speaks of like just cutting the line and just enough money and I wonder sometimes about that. Let me give you an example. Here you have a missionary, and he feels he has to go preach in a certain city. So he lines up at the train station, and he knows the train ticket to get from point A to where he needs to be is 100 bucks. He doesn't have the money, but he stands there and maybe looks a little sorry for himself, and he's standing in the queue, and he's praying, and gets to the front of the queue, and eventually uh, he still doesn't have the money. So he lets somebody else go in front, and this happens a few times, lets somebody else go in front, and, and eventually people around about are hearing about this, maybe even feeling a little bit sorry, and so somebody out of compassion gives 95 rand towards this, it, it's still not enough, and, and then the guy's discouraged, and he goes and goes to the restroom, and then discovers a five rand coin on the, on the ground there, <laughs> and so he's got his 95, and he's got his five rand, and he goes, and he buys the ticket, and it's merely just enough. Now, in one, in one sense, great, there was the ticket, but I would submit to you that we serve the God of more than enough. I believe that he wants to fully provide for that train ticket that is needed, and he wants to be able to provide you with something to drink on the train and a packet of chips and maybe a bar one. Come on, does anybody agree with me? God is the God of more than enough. He is El Shaddai. He is not El Cheapo. He is the God of plenty, the God of more than enough. And the same verse, verse 8, now look at it in the Amplified Bible. It says, and God is able to make all grace, but look what grace is. Every favor and earthly blessing. Some people are thinking, no, no, no. This is speaking about treasures in heaven. It's not. It's speaking about provision and blessings on earth. God is able to make all grace, every favor and earthly blessing come to you in abundance. That's why I say he's the God of more than enough. So that you may have, uh, may always under all circumstances, regardless of the need, have complete sufficiency in everything. And then I like this. Being completely self-sufficient in Christ. Because that's the key. Our abundance and sufficiency comes from being in Christ and having an abundance for every good work and act of charity. And I want to say to you, when you look at scriptures like this, this is the heart of Father God. He's not a God that is wanting to uh, keep you with nothing and keep you in poverty. He does provide because he loves you. He does provide because he cares for you. He does provide because you are the apple of his eye. Can anybody say amen? amen. He certainly does provide. Now, may I give you one or two little practical examples? Because let's take a scripture like this and just apply it to the fact that God wants to give us these things that we need, this earthly provision, this earthly blessing. Imagine, for example, you are needing to put petrol in your motor vehicle. Maybe your tank takes about 550 or 600 rand, I don't know. And your reserve light is on and now you're going to the fuel station and you're needing to fill up with fuel. I honestly believe 
that God wants to provide so that you can fill up your tank. Does anybody agree? But there's something wrong with the picture when somebody's got, you know, two 20 rand notes and they're squeezing the animals so hard that the animals are getting tears on the notes of the 20 rands. And then it's, it's, it's not enough, so they start to raid the ashtray, okay? Let's hope there's money in the ashtray and not ash, okay? So they start raiding the ashtray, getting the money together. Then you're looking on the floor, you're looking in the compartments, you're trying to find more money. And then he said, eventually you think, ah, the kid's tuck shop money, that's in the cubby hole. So you start raiding the kid's tuck shop money. And eventually, instead of 40 bucks, you now have 62 rand 85, and you sheepishly give it to the petrol attendant and say, can you put this in? I don't know. To me, this doesn't speak of the God that I'm reading about. I believe that you can go and you can fill up and have a full tank of fuel. And my dad used to say, when you drive out and you have your full tank of fuel, he said, be thankful for your tank full. (laughs) That's the way he used to say it. And so let's not allow a poverty mindset. God can fill your tank. Let me give you another example. Maybe your car, uh, some of the tires are not looking so good. Let's say the front two tires are needing to be worked on, okay? You need two new front tires. When you approach needing to go and have those two tires put on, is there poverty in your thinking? And do you think to yourself, sure, I I don't know if I can afford this. I'll maybe have to get, I don't know, retreads. Or perhaps in the back of the the store where they're going to install the tires, maybe there's an old one lying somewhere there and I can ask the guy, hey, the tread looks okay. Or or maybe you think, well, I can push it for one, okay, and then I'm going to use the spare and so on. Or, Or maybe you're a little bit more of a negotiator. And you begin to say, hey, Lani, I tune you what? How about two, pi- two tires for the price of one? Hey, we'll organize you. No, no, no. Hey, man, I'll smile at you and I'll bring you some biryani. My wife makes awesome biryani. Well, two for the price of one. Come on, man. Now, you see, you don't need to do that. Because you're not trying to look at your own ability to force situations, but you're looking at the God that is able to make all grace abound towards you. And I believe that you can walk out of there by God's grace with having those two front tires on your car. Come on, does anybody say amen? He is our provider who provides your needs according to his riches in glory. Let me say number three. God is able to exceed your expectation. Please say that with me. God is able to exceed your expectation. After writing down that point, I thought I should have added the word far exceed your expectation. The scripture says, Ephesians 3.20, Now to him who is able, can God do it? You betcha. To him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly, Above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us. Now, this verse is telling about incredible things that God can do, but it's also saying that God can do incredible things through you. And sometimes we tend to think, well, God doesn't really want to use me. He probably wants to use somebody else. 
who's maybe been serving the Lord for three or four years longer. But I want to encourage you today, sir, ma'am, I want to say God wants to use you. And he wants to do incredible things in your life and through your life according to the power at work in you. I remember hearing Rodney Hart Brown, and he said the following. He said one day he was having a quiet time and kind of resting with God, and he said, God, he said it with humility. He said, God, if I was you, I would do more. And then he felt God said to him, Rodney, if I was you, I would do more. Because I can exceed your expectation according to the power of the Holy Spirit resident and working in and through you. This is so important that we begin to realize that God can do beyond what we're asking or thinking. He loves to blow our minds. He loves to surprise us with his goodness. And it's according to the power at work in us. The same verse in the Amplified Bible says, Now to him who is able to carry out his purpose... And do super abundantly, more than all that we dare ask or think. Now listen to this. Infinitely, beyond our greatest prayers, hopes, and dreams, according to the power that is at work in us. And when I read a scripture like that, I think to myself, what a God. What a God. And he has put himself inside of you and I to demonstrate his power and his ability through you and I. I want to say this. I believe that for many of us, we have made God too small in our eyes. And it's time that we begin to magnify him afresh. Magnify means to take something small and make it bigger. Now, God is not small, not at all. But sometimes in our thinking, he is small. And that's why we need to begin to magnify him, that we begin to see him as the great God that he is. This reminds me of a song. It was written a bunch of years ago, excuse me, by Don Moen. And it's a song called Be Magnified. But listen to these words. Listen carefully. It says, I have made you too small in my eyes. Oh, Lord, forgive me. And I have believed in a lie that you were unable to help me. But now, O oh Lord, I see my wrong. Heal my heart and show yourself strong. Be magnified, O oh Lord. You are highly exalted. Be magnified. There is nothing you can't do, O oh Lord, be magnified. And I pray for us as a congregation that God would be magnified more and more. Big, big God, little bitty devil. You've heard that song before. Big, big God, little bitty devil. Big God. Abraham was convinced in the big God and what he is able to do. And so if God can do more than we ask or think, maybe that's also an indication that you need to begin to ask for more, that you need to begin to believe for more. For some of you, I believe you've been sitting in a dead-end situation for a long period of time, and God is saying there's a dream in your heart that I want you to release, that I want you to give expression to. 
And you'll stay in that dead-end situation until you prepare to step out of the boat and walk on the water and keep your eyes on me and I will keep you from falling. And so be encouraged today. God dreams big things for your life and you and I must come into agreement with him. We mustn't adjust our thinking down to something very low. And so I want to encourage you, sir, ma'am, see beyond your current circumstances. See what God can do. Most importantly, see with the eyes of faith. As I have the privilege of leading this congregation, I have to see beyond where we're at right now. I have to see beyond this auditorium and what God is going to do next. I have to see how he's going to take our live audio and video streaming clear across the world. And many, many people will begin to tune in. I have to see how he's going to take the worship. And that will be documented and go around the face of the earth and touch nations and touch churches. I have to see what God is going to do because the current status is not going to stay forever. Because God has put something in my heart, a seed of greatness, and I believe that it's going to happen by the grace of God. Come on, church. Come on. We're not here to play games. We're here to make a difference in people's lives. We're here to take people out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Say to the person next to you, keep looking with the eyes of faith. Now, the last point, which is not a very long one. God is able to keep you from falling. Isn't that lovely? Why don't you say that with me? God is able to keep you from falling. And the scripture is Jude 1.24 from the new, uh, not the new King James, the King James Version. It says, now unto him that is able. We're talking today about God is able to keep you from falling. Look at those words. He can do it. Sir, ma'am, he can keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. Can I tell you a story that has disturbed me a little bit? In the past few months, I became aware of two pastors that I know they're both 15 or 18 years older than me. I know them. I've worked together with them in the past and haven't worked together with them in recent years, but uh, I was so disturbed that in both of their situations, separate situations, both of them became involved in adultery and both of them sadly left their wives. It disturbed me. I was thinking, Lord, how is this possible? Now, just to mention that one of the greatest desires in my life is that my, one of my greatest desires is that I want to walk in integrity and finish strong. And I want to do that to please God. I want to do that to honor my wife. I want to do that to be an example to others, but I really want to do it to be an example to my boys. I've been so blessed with a mom and dad who have set an example of integrity and uprightness. And I've learned there's nothing like the power of example. And so I was thinking, but God, how is it possible to, 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 to walk in integrity? How is it possible to finish strong when these guys and, and what happened to them? And God, how is it possible? I don't know, God. Help me, God. And as I was wrestling with this, I felt the Lord led me to a scripture. 
And this is what it says. God is able to keep you from falling. I believe all we have to do is consistently keep our eyes on Jesus. If you take your eyes off Jesus, you can easily fall. But if you will keep your eyes on Jesus, he is able to keep you from falling. This is incredible, folks. And this is a promise. And I want to encourage you that you take a hold of this. Maybe in your life, you've had this thought that, what if I blow it one day? What if I'm just going to totally mess up one day? And no, no, no. Reject those thoughts and go to the Word of God. And you say, thank you, God, that you are able to keep me from falling. And even more than that, you are one day going to present me faultless before the presence of His glory with exceeding joy. And what a glorious day that will be as God presents you and I, sons and daughters, faultless. Can you imagine that happening in heaven one day? That here, Jesus, the Savior of your soul, who has kept you from falling, He comes and He brings you. And He presents you. He says, Father, this is so and so. They are faultless. And I present this faultless child, Lord, to you with exceeding joy. Come on, let's give the Lord a hand of praise. Come on, say hallelujah. He is able to keep you from falling. Four things that we've said today, just to recap. God is able to perform what he has promised. God is able to make all grace abound to you. God is able to exceed your expectation, and God is able to keep you from falling. How many of you are encouraged by the word today? Praise the Lord. Let's stand together as we pray. Father, we come to you, our great God, who is able. Forgive us, Lord, for times where we've made you too small in our eyes. And we've believed the lie that you can't help us. But forgive us for that, Lord. We see our wrong. And we say, would you heal our hearts and show yourself strong? And we say, God who is able, be magnified, O Lord. Let your name, your ability be exalted. Let your power be exalted. We declare that there is nothing that you cannot do. O oh Lord, be magnified. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Amen.